We are in week two of our series, Guardrails. Guardrails are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And, and when we think about our greatest regrets in our life, it's because we didn't put any guardrails in our life financially, morally, relationally, educationally, professionally. And if we didn't, maybe we wouldn't have gone on over the edge. And so when we look at this picture that we've got, this illustration, we've got a car banging up alongside a guardrail. And there are damage, we get damage to our, to our vehicles when we, when we bang up aside a guardrail. But just imagine if there was no guardrail, that car would end up um, in the pit of disaster and there'll be even more damage. But even more seriously than that, there'll be more damage to the person, to us. And, and so guardrails is not only what we use in our, uh, on our road systems, but also in our personal life. And so when we think about even this, this weekend and, and the tragedy that unfolded on Friday with the killing of so many people, Muslim people, who had gone to their mosque to pray. And, and I'm like many of us in this room, why? I mean, why? How, how, could, how could evil like this happen? How could, how could this happen in our country? Why? And I love what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said this, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And we have all these questions. And sadly, there aren't really any answers that we can give. But I do know this, that we need to guard our heart. We need to guard our heart. Because think about it, sometimes there are people that we know, they seem like great people, they're a nice guy, then they do something terrible, and we think, how could they do something terrible? They seem like nice guys. And we, when, we, when we hear stories of, of guys who went off to do some tremendous crime, and, and that you talk to the neighbors, oh, they seem like a nice person. But and, and when we're closer to home, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we can be really nasty ourselves, and sometimes we, we can say some really dumb stuff. We can say some really hurtful things, and, 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 and you're like, wow, where did that come from? I'm not really like that. I'm not really like that kind of, but where did that come from? I don't know if you've been there, with, if you've been in that place where, where you've said something and you wish you can, you can grab it and put it back into your mouth, and oh no, did I really say that? And, and we wonder, where do all these things come from? And that's what today is all about. This is what this guardrail that I would love for us to talk about is about. About guarding our heart. Guarding our heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, guard your heart. I'm not really say it to them, guard your heart. Because we've got to guard our heart. I think... Of all the guardrails that, we, that we, we're going to be sharing during this series, I think this is the greatest guardrail that you can put in your life. This is the greatest guardrail you can put in your life. You've got to guard your heart. In fact, King Solomon, the Bible says that King Solomon was the wisest man that had ever lived. And some say that he still is the wisest man. I, I like to say that he's the wisest 
in the dumbest man that ever lived because when you read a story, it's fascinating. But he's a very wise man. People will travel just to listen to his wisdom. People travel. His wisdom was, was, uh, was known throughout the, the world at that time. And people will travel to hear his wisdom. In fact, King Solomon wrote three books in our Bible, the Old Testament. He wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote the Song of Solomon, and, and, some would, and, and, and some people say you can't read that book until you're 18 because it's got some language in there that, that we don't want to arouse some of the young people. And I remember hearing that, I went straight to the book to read it, and, uh, and I was reading it, and I was thinking, well, I don't get it. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, it's the Song of Solomon and the book of Ecclesiastes. He writes all these books, and, and, then, and then he kind of pens in the book of Proverbs, and, and it's kind of like he writes... And then it like, kind of like, you know, of all the things that I've been teaching, all my wisdom and everything that God has given me, you know, I've said all some great stuff. They're important things about marriage, about how you handle money, wisdom, and all these things. But what I'm about to say now, I don't want you to miss. In fact, what I'm going to say now is probably the most important thing. If you forget everything else I've said, I want you to remember this, and he, and he writes this, and he pens this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And he said, guard your heart above all else. Above all else. About everything. Guard your heart. Why? Why do we need to guard our heart, Solomon? Why? For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. So if that's true, if everything in our life flows from our heart, if that's true, therefore, the hate that erupted from the heart of these gunmen on Friday, it came from within. It came from within. So how do we guard our heart? How do you guard your heart? How do we do that? And I love what Jesus Begin, uh, what he says and as he begins to teach the crowd, a thousand years after King Solomon pens this, Jesus is on the scene and he's teaching and, and a crowd will always gather around him. In fact, a big crowd always gathered and the religious leaders, they'll be around the edges and the religious leaders, they didn't like Jesus because, uh, because the, the crowd will say he's the Messiah and they're getting kind of jealous and they'll look for ways to try to trap Jesus and they were trying to, so they can put a wedge between Jesus and the people. And so one of, the, one of the leaders, they're there, and they go, you know, I think I've got a question. I think I've got something that we can trap Jesus. Uh, I think this is a great one. And the other first, you reckon it's good? That's nah, really, really good. Okay, come on, ask him. We're looking forward to hear what it is, and we'd love to see if Jesus can answer this one. So Matthew chapter 15, verse 2, one of the religious leaders goes, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat, and we're like, isn't that, Duh, yeah, we should wash our hands, you know, we know that, germs and all this. But see, the tradition of washing your hands wasn't about germs. It wasn't about that. In fact, they didn't understand it as we do today. In fact, it was, a, it, was, it was part of the law for the priest, the high priest, and all those who worked in the temple 
to always be ceremonial clean because you cannot do the work of God if you weren't clean. And it's really important to always clean your hands because if you accidentally touch something that was unclean, then and, and you can't do the work of God. Especially if you touch something that was unclean, like a dead body or some blood, then you went and ate some food and you put it in your body, and now you're unclean. So they're constantly washing their hands, washing their hands. And so what, what had happened is that these the law that was for, for the work of the temple, the law that was for the, the, the high priest and the priest and all those who worked in the temple, the law that was for them, all of a sudden the religious leaders go, you know what? We're going to make it a law for everybody. Everybody's got to wash their hands. You're going to wash your hands. You're going to wash your hands. We're all going to wash our hands, right? And this is what, what, they, what it was like. Okay. <laughs> we got to understand something. Jesus wasn't breaking. Jesus wasn't breaking. <laughs> he wasn't breaking any law. He just, he just didn't take notice of their tradition. He didn't take notice of it because they made it up. It, wasn't, it had no part to be a part of God's word. And I, I, I kind of chuckle because I kind of think, you know, Jesus is like, really? You're asking me that question? Really? You really want to go there? Okay, you want to go there? Let's go there. Verse 3, Jesus replied, and so why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And they go, huh? It's kind of like it's, 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 he's kind of like saying this. If my teenage daughter was disrespectful to my wife, she said something. What you said is very disrespectful to to your mother. Do not be disrespectful to her. And 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 my daughter. Let's be honest. My kids will never do that. They wouldn't. Uh, they've got the fear of God about their mum, you know. Um, but anyway, if my daughter, if I said you, gotta, I, I do not want you to speak to your mum disrespectfully ever again. And my daughter, she's like, you know what? I did the guardrail series. I'm going to put some guardrails in place. And my guardrail is this, is that I will never speak to my mom ever again. That way, I won't disrespect her when I, when I talk to her, right? I'll put, a, I'll put a guardrail in place to stop me from breaking another guardrail. And we're like, well, that guardrail that you're putting in place to break another guardrail that, well, you are actually in violation of that guardrail because by doing it, by not speaking to your mother, you're being disrespectful. And this is, this is exactly what Jesus is saying to, these, to, the, to the Jewish leaders of that time because they didn't want to do some of what Moses had, Moses had commanded in the law. So they began to put all these laws in place, these traditions in place, so they didn't have to do them because they didn't want to do them. So verse 4, and, 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 and Jesus, he goes there. He goes, for God said, God said, not tradition, God said. And he went to the big ten, the ten commandments. There's no bigger than the ten commandments. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their uh, father or mother with it. So what they had done, they had made this tradition. They created this tradition. And they kind of made a law that, that anyone, you, can, if you just had to declare. You can just say it. You can say, you know what? I'm, I'm making a declaration that all my possession, I'm giving it to the temple. I'm giving it to God. And so with this, this tradition and this law, the, what, it, what it allowed you to do is that you, while you were still living, you were allowed to use your position, possession and wealth to support yourself and just your children. Just, just you and your children, okay? So this law was put in place to stop you from being generous. 
So which means if anybody came up to you and they're struggling financially and they go, you know, I'm struggling, are you able to help me out? And they go, oh, you know what? Sorry, I can't, you know. I wish I could, but I can't because I'm still living. And while I'm still living, I can't help you because um, I'm only allowed to support me and my children. So sorry, there's no giving while I'm living. My bad. So if, you're, if your mom, and Jesus, what Jesus was saying is when your mom and dad come to you, and they're struggling, they're getting, and back in, think about those days, they didn't have the health care that we have today. If they're struggling, they can't see, they can't get food, or anything like that, they come up to you and go, they go, son, could you help us? We're struggling, you know, we, I can't see anymore, I can't, I can't, you know, we're struggling with food. And, and they will do this, oh, sorry, mom and dad, sorry, I would love to help you, but I can't, because I've devoted everything to God. And Jesus wasn't having any of that. Because this is what was happening in their community. People using the Word of God, or using God to justify being mean and nasty. And isn't it interesting that that even happens today? Well, God told me. God told me. So therefore, I'm okay to be nasty to you. And Jesus says this, Thus you nullify the Word of God, and for the sake of your stupid tradition. Okay, I'll just put that word in stupid, okay, just in case. I just kind of feel Jesus is thinking that and saying that. I just, I just get, I feel like saying, you know, for the sake of your stupid tradition, you will disobey the law of God just to protect your traditions? Really? And then he goes, you hypocrites. When Jesus ever uses the word hypocrites, it's like the argument is done, it's finished, it's over, speak to the hand because the ears ain't listening anymore. And the, and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders are, are going, man, we've just been shot down by Jesus. Who asked that stupid question? And they go, I don't know, let's go, let's go. And so they leave, they're out of there. And it's just Jesus in the crowd, Jesus in the crowd. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen, 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 understand, come on, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Understand, I want to give you some understanding of what I'm saying here. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. What goes in doesn't defile them, but it's what comes out that defiles them. This was like a brand new idea. They're going, what? I mean, it's not what comes in. It's, what, what, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, Jesus, what are you saying? Are you saying... That when we're problematic, it's not what comes in. It's actually really in there, and it's coming out of here. Are you saying it's really there? You, whoa, 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 Jesus, what are you saying? Are you saying the words that we say and the actions that we do that affect people bother God more than our words and our action that actually impact God? Are you saying that, that, that we've got to put people ahead of God? Is that what you're saying? That, that bothers God more? Then he goes on. In fact, it's now just him and the disciples. The crowd have gone, and, and it's just Jesus and the disciples. And, and, and in fact, um, it's him and the boys, and, and Peter runs up to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you know, you know when you, you're teaching the crowd, and, and, and you gave this teaching about what comes in and what goes out, and it's actually what comes out that makes you unclean. Well, I, I get it. I get it. But the boys, they're a bit slow. They're not like me. I get it, Jesus. So I was wondering if you can explain it back to the boys again, just to help them out. They're a bit slow. But i got to meet Jesus. I've got your back. I know exactly what you're talking about. So Jesus kind of chuckles to himself. Yeah, okay. So he addresses the boys. Okay, boys, come on. Let's huddle. And he says to them in, in, in Matthew 15, verse 16, 
He says, are you still so dull? Isn't that cool to be called dull by Jesus? Aren't you still, are you still so dull? Jesus asked him, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, then out of the body? And I can imagine the boys kind of chuckling when they say that because that's what boys do when we talk about stuff like that. But the thing that comes out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. The thing that puts people at odds with God is not what they eat, but how their words affect the people that that God loves. When you offend people, you offend God. You gotta guard our heart. We gotta guard our heart. See, this was a complete reversal of what they had been taught. What they had been taught was that God was number one. God was number one. And it doesn't matter who you hurt in the process of you making God number one. Because if, uh, because if I, look, uh, uh, God told me to, and I don't care if you get hurt because that's the truth and that's who it is. Well, Jesus said, uh, 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 that's not what it is. You misunderstand. You're putting traditions ahead of what I'm saying right now. When you offend somebody that God loves, you offend God. Don't you get this? Are you so dull? Come on, come on. Guard your heart. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. See, they misunderstood, they created traditions, and they misunderstood the heart of God. So what do these defile people? It's because when we hurt people that love, that God loves, we hurt God. That's why this makes God a little bit upset. Come on, we've got to guard our heart. Guard our heart. So how do we guard our heart? How do we do that? And, and today, I really want to talk about four guardrails that we can really put in place to guard our heart. Four guardrails. And, and they come around four emotions that we have. And the four emotions are these. It's guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. See, with guilt, we say, guilt says, I owe you. I owe you. I owe you an apology. You know, I owe you something because I took something from you. Um, you may not know that, or, or I'm too proud to admit it. I owe you, okay? And guilt leads to dishonesty. Guilt leads to being a secret keeper. I mean, it leads to putting walls up. Guilt leads to a whole bunch of things. And then there's anger. Anger says this, you owe me. Because you hurt me, you took something from me. You either pay me back or I'll pay you back. That's what anger does. You owe me. And it kind of leaks into all our relationships and it follows, follows us around. You, you will get offended over here in this, in this arena, but that just follows you into the next arena, into the next arena. You were hurt as a kid. It follows you around. You were hurt at your last job. It follows you around. You were hurt at your last church. It follows you around. You were hurt in your last relationship. It follows you around because we're holding something we're not meant to hold. Because you owe me. And if you don't owe me, I'm going to pay you back. What you took for me. And I'm going I'm to apply that to everybody that, re, that, that reminds me of you. And I'm going to apply it to them also. That's what anger does. And then there's greed. Greed is this, I owe me. 
I owe me, come on. I worked hard for my money. It's all for me. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption, right? And, and, and there are people, they're struggling. They're struggling, and, 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 and you know that, right? They're struggling. There are people that, that, that are in a hardship, and then your, your church is calling you, and, and, and there are people in your workplace that are doing fundraising, and your heart goes out to them, but your money does not. Your money does not. In fact, well, all of a sudden you find that your loved ones are competing for your stuff. You've got a greed problem. And then there's jealousy. Life owes me. Life owes me. It really does. You know, somebody got what I deserve. I should have been the next leader. I should have had that job promotion. It should have been me. And you find yourself enjoying it when someone else that, that you, you're offended with because they got your position. You find yourself enjoying when they go through hardship and all of a sudden you've got a bit of joy that they're struggling. Come on, guard your heart. Guard your heart. So how do we guard our heart? To guard our heart is to do the complete opposite of what you want to do. So if you're struggling with guilt, I owe you. Come on. We confess. We confess not to God. We don't confess to God. God really knows, okay? If you confess to God, God's not going to go, whoa, I had no idea. Whoa, really? You did what? How come nobody told me this? Come on, angels, what are you doing? You know, I got the memo too late. I'm, I'm so glad you, you confessed it to me. I had no idea. God doesn't do that. He already knows. Come on. Confess to somebody. Confess to the person that you hurt. And if you can't confess to the person you hurt, confess to somebody you trust. And then eventually you confess to the person that you hurt. And when you do confess, you know what's going to happen? Chaos often breaks out. Chaos will die out here. But let me tell you something. There's peace on inside here. And that will dissipate. That will dissipate. But you, but you know what? Guilt has no control over your life anymore when we're able to confess our sins to the people that we hurt. And the second one is anger. And we already know what the answer is. This is forgive, forgive, forgive. See, forgiveness is identifying specifically what was taken from me, what, was a, what has a, uh, offended me, and dealing with it, and saying, I'm canceling the debt. I'm canceling that you did this to me, you took this from me, I'm going to cancel the debt. I don't want to cancel the debt, but I'm doing that. Yes, you are letting them off the hook, but you are letting yourself off the hook also. Come on. Anger is not going to control me anymore. It's not going to follow me into my next relationship. It's not going to follow me in my next marriage. It's not going to follow me when I discipline my kid because I, I, I have forgiven the debt. I've let it go. And then there's jealousy. And the way to respond to jealousy is to begin to celebrate. Celebrate. You know, because let's be honest, we say life owes me, but to be honest, if we're truthful, it's that God owes me. Everybody else is being blessed. What about me? God, you owe me. And how we deal with that, we celebrate. God, I'm going to celebrate what you've given me. I never got that job, but I'm going to celebrate. You know what? I never got, I'm not, not that leadership position, but I'm going to celebrate. In fact, I'm going to celebrate out loud. I'm going to, dear John, I, congratulations. I really, wanted, I really wanted the job that you got, but I'm really happy for you. I really am. And you write it and you send it off to love from. But by doing that, you say, jealousy, you have no control over me. Come on, guard your heart. We've got to guard our heart. How, how is, is your heart right now? Is everything okay in your heart? Is everything okay in your heart? 
Is everything okay in your heart? Ask yourself, is everything okay in your heart? Are you struggling with anger? Come on, guard your heart. As soon as you feel that coming, guard your heart. Come on, you're struggling with guilt, guard your heart. Greed, guard your heart. Jealousy, guard your heart. It's not gonna control me anymore. I'm gonna guard my heart. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You know, the, the anger that we, we have towards these gunmen, you know, will eat us up inside if we continue to hold it. We have no idea why. I have no idea why. Hate erupted, evil erupted from their hearts. But this is what I know. This is what I know for sure, is that you can guard your heart. That I can guard my heart. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Come on, guard your heart. You know, this morning I know we've gone further over time than normal. But this is kind of a special service, and there's one candle left to light. And I left that candle to the last. This is for our nation, that God will defend New Zealand. Come on, especially during this time. And as we bring our service to a close, again, I apologize, we've gone slightly over. But today, why don't we stand and let us unite as one as we begin to declare our national anthem over our country, our national anthem over Christchurch, our national anthem over the people, and we are lighting a candle for our nation. God defend New Zealand.